Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, we got a fun one today. It is a, uh, it is a good one. It's one of kind of about hiring a new person who has unrealistic expectations and then wondering if their expectations actually are unrealistic and maybe the job that they think this is actually exists somewhere else and I should go get that job. And that's how it goes today. Super fun. I hope that you guys will really enjoy it. Gang, welcome to 2021. I hope you're having a great time so far. I hope you're off to a good start. We have huge things going in Uncharted. I don't want you to miss out on them. Number one, for me at least, Stephanie Goss and I are doing our Uncharted Strategic Planning Masterclass on January 9th and 10th. It's a weekend with me and Stephanie Goss. We will work with you on your practice, your high-level vision, strategy, where you're going, what are you trying to create. Uh, if you're like, I'm really sure going to keep the team motivated and engaged, we need to talk to you about your core values, your vision, your mission, uh, the picture that you paint for your people. We're going to talk to you about how to get the right people on the bus, how to evaluate your people so you can get the feedback, so you can decide maybe this person's not in the right seat on the bus. We do all of that. It is open to the public. It is $2.99 registration for the public. It is free to uncharted members. January 9th and 10th. Don't miss it with me and Stephanie. We also have a six-session workshop on uh, inventory management with the one and only spreadsheet queen, Jen Galvin. That's also $2.99. That's for the whole six-session course. It runs from January to April. Head over to UnchartedVet.com to learn more. I'll put a link for all of this down below. The last thing, if you are a practice manager... We have our first ever Practice Manager Summit. That's right. It's coming up February 11th through the 13th. It is uncharted all the way, but only open to practice managers. We're going to be talking about what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with. We're going to build a conference for you while the conference is going on. It is not like anything else that's out there. It is virtual, but I really do think that our virtual events are as close to being in person as you can get. So anyway, we got something really special. If you're a practice manager, you don't want to miss this. This is also open to the public. There is a registration for uh, $3.99 for the public and $2.99 for Uncharted members. Don't miss out. Practice Manager Summit, February 11th through the 13th. That's a lot of info coming at your face. So I'm going to stop right here and let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. <laughs> and we are back. It's me and Stephanie. I must be dreaming gods. <laughs> That's a good one. How's it going, Andy? Oh, man, it's good. It's good. We're recording this uh, right before Christmas. Um, and so the kids are here and they're fired up and... Um, the uh, I'm I'm pretty much done at the clinic for this week and uh, nice. yeah it's I am I am done for the clinic this week because we got a half day today and uh, yeah it's it's good nice feeling the Christmas joy how about you uh it's good I I am it will probably surprise no one that I'm completely unprepared I. <laughs> I am trying to get a lot of stuff done at the clinic before the end of the year. So I've got another couple of days, but I am, we are, we are open for part of Christmas Eve, but we're closed on, on Christmas day and then the weekend. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the weekend. I am not going to work. I'm just going to spend time with the kids and I'm really excited about that. And they are like obsessively watching the weather channel, hoping that they will see a report that there's snow coming. And so <laughs> I have a feeling yeah. that they're probably going to be disappointed disappointed because there's no there's no snow in the forecast for two weeks but oh, yeah. <laughs> they're obsessively <You're>, yeah. watching <laughs> your kids at least have a, a snowball's chance 
of having so my older daughter is about to turn 13 and she was like she has a i love her she has a tendency to have very dramatic uh-huh. uh, disney style speeches <laughs> and she goes mom dad there's really only one thing that i want for christmas <laughs> It's snow on Christmas Day. And I was like, Jacqueline, we live in South Carolina. It's 40, it's 49 degrees at 7 a.m. We're not, like, you should, we should adjust your expectations. (laughs) That's exactly, like, I got a podcast you can listen to. Oh, Um, poor kid. I know, I know. All I want is this a white Christmas. And I'm like, you're in the wrong location. It's like global warming. Don't don't even look forward to it in the future. Like, this is... Oh, that's funny. Poor Jacqueline. Go go to college up north, kid. Well, that's it, right? Like at some point she can move out and she can control the weather that she has around her. This is not that time. Yeah. yeah exactly oh yeah uh speaking of controlling expectations yes uh, (laughs) we got a great one from the mail we do i'm i'm excited about this one so this one's got a little bit of a backstory so yeah there's some yeah there's they sent us some context yeah we'll (laughs) we'll walk everybody through it but we've got what are what are we going to call this the surgery tech Uh, this the surgery tech that's being discussed uh we can no the one who sent us the email um uh yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know let's uh let's call her uh uh am am i bonkers am i I bonkers i like it am i bonkers bonkers uh Uh, uh, two initials and a blast am am i bonkers oh so am i bonkers uh, sent us an email, which is a which is a great one, and they said uh, they're a very experienced uh, technician. They've been in veterinary medicine for uh, you know fourteen or fifteen years. They have um, experience in general practice uh, in hospital management, as well as for the last um, handful of years, being very specifically working in a specialty surgery practice and um, they had a new hire ask a couple of questions after they started and they sent us the questions that this person asked. The first one was when is the second shift surgery team arriving and the second question was where are the scrub technicians and the new hire is someone who had previously worked for corporate in the past and it seems uh, from their discussions with Am I Bonkers that they were looking for a nine to five specialty job, which Am I Bonkers is like, I don't think that that exists in specialty medicine as far as I know. And so their first question was, are these things realities at other hospitals? And so they went on to tell us a little bit about their current practice and some of the other specialty practices that they've worked at. And it sounds like at every practice that Am I Bonkers has worked at, it has been very similar in that the surgery team is doing all of the things. So they're scheduling their appointments, they're doing charges, they're doing estimates, they're doing all the client communication. So they're doing all of the client work relating to the surgery team, but then they're also doing all of the instrument care, OR maintenance, they're getting their own charts, they're, you know, calling um, owners back with info about lab work and x-rays, and um, then they're also doing the actual surgery tech work in the OR with the doctor, so scrubbing in. In the... And the anesthesia work, yeah. Exactly. Scrubbing in, monitoring anesthesia, doing all of those things, and then 
charging out clients, doing discharges, etc. So they are like start to finish running all of the things. And so they said that the surgery department is super, super busy. They are um, very profitable. They have a setup where there are three technicians to work with two doctors. And it sounds like they are either on call or in a 24-7 setting. And so there's only three of them. And so they were saying that the day is kind of a constant triaging of tasks and juggling all of the things because they're doing all of the things. And they said that it's it's super, super hard because they're also experiencing all of the same things that the rest of us are with COVID. Clients getting snappy in the parking lot, demanding to be checked in right now, um, wanting to know why the records from the other clinic, ha- clinic haven't shown up, blaming the team for things that are out of their control. And they are super, super frustrated because they are like, you know, it is just as difficult for us as it is for everybody else. And so they were saying, you know, being a scrub technician or someone who just handles a portion of that workload sounds like a dream job. And they said, you know, while I love my job and I would miss the anesthesia part of it, particularly if I could move to just having to deal with a portion of this job, I I might consider it because I'm super tired of being feeling like we are understaffed and overworked all of the time. They love their doctors. They love their coworkers, but they are just tired and overwhelmed of doing all of the things. And so they were saying that they feel like it can't be possible for this to be a reality somewhere else. And they wanted to know, like, is this something that's out there? And can I can I see it? But also, is this person crazy? Because they are like, this isn't a thing everywhere. And so they're dealing with those two conflicting realities. Yeah, it was is really interesting because it's a. It's two very different questions yes. that are ruled together. And I had to sort of read it a couple of times before I really figured out kind of what they were trying to ask. Yes. But question one is, is this person off a rocker right. who's asking about a scrub tech and asking when the next shift is coming in? Right. You know, and, and they, she just wants sort of validation, I think, of this person is, is not in touch with your reality, right? And I, I, the, reading between the lines, I'm assuming her next question is, how do I get this person back on planet Earth so that I can work with right. them? You know, how, how do I get them successful and make them useful here? Mm-hmm. And then the other significant question on the other side is, what if she's not? What if she's not bonkers? And is this is is what she's talking about? Does that happen other places? Because I'm killing myself here, mm-hmm. and, and I'd like to know about that. Yep. So those are the, those are the two those are the two questions that we have. How do you want to start to talk about this? I, maybe we should maybe we should take the second question first of is this reality other places? Yeah, it's it's interesting cuz I had to read it a couple of times too cuz at first I thought this person is asking for two different episodes. Like these are really two vastly different questions. And then the more I read it the more I read it and the more I thought about it and you know you and I were talking through it, I I actually think that the things are more tied together than I initially Mm -hmm. thought and I think that the question is a valid one and a good one and so yeah I think let's let's start with the headspace and talk about you know how do you how do you even begin to unpack this what kind of headspace do we need to be in and then I think um maybe starting with the second question leads to you know the conversation about the first two questions yeah I think I think where you have to start is the realization that 
people struggle a lot with the idea that there's a right way to do medicine. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably worse in specialty care because people talk about the gold standard of care and this is how you do it and this is how you do medicine. Right. And when you're in specialty too, the price considerations are much lower because people don't come to the specialty hospital right. uh, unless they're prepared to invest resources. And that doesn't mean they're not cost conscious, but but you weed out a lot of the cost problems of people who simply would never go to a specialist. Like they're just not going to go. Yep. Uh, you, you, and so that's that's true. Here's here's the thing that I think people don't always understand and they need to understand they need to hear this there may be a best way to practice medicine i know that people are always going for that and digging for that and researching what is that there is not a best way to run a specialty practice period right it, uh, and, and this is an unpopular conversation point but one of my sort of maxims is I'll tell the people, if you ever talk to a business consultant and you ask them a question and they don't start with, well, it depends, you should be <laughs> a little concerned because the truth is it always depends. Yeah. And people say, how many technicians should you have per doctor? And then the answer I give them that frustrates them is it depends. Right. <laughs> it, it, it depends. If you've got four technicians per doctor and you're seeing six appointments in a day, you're screwed. Because you don't have the caseload to support four technicians per doctor. You know, that's just true. What are the demographics and, and how are you doing this? And if you've got anesthesia nurses and you've got surgery nurses and you have scrub nurses and you have a surgeon and that surgeon's doing five cases a day, you're going out of business, right? You need, honestly, to support that kind of infrastructure, you need multiple surgeons right. in there cutting and doing that work so that it makes sense to have all of these support staff. Right. And when, and when your anesthesia techs are done with one case, they're immediately in the next case and right. they 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 pay for themselves and they bring value you know through throughout the whole hospital yeah and the thing that that i have to hammer on people is it's not good or bad it's just what are you doing right with you know and, and what is your and, and part of it what is your demographics and what's your caseload and part of it's what is your culture and and so i, I said this recently to a, a new graduate that reached out and she reached out and she's someone i've been mentoring and i think the world of her and and she said well, look i'm looking at this practice but they don't leverage uh, a lot of technicians they have the doctors doing a lot of work and and things like that and and i'm struggling with this and, and you know i was sort of taught and you taught me andy that you know, having technicians and leveraging technicians is what you want to do, and that's how you practice. Right. And what I said to her was, you know, I, there's a, a million ways to do this, and I am a big fan of working with technicians. I very like, I very much like that. At the same time, I can tell you that I have worked in and been very happy in profitable practices that did not have a lot of support staff, mm -hmm. and the doctors did most of the work, and that worked because. Their caseload allowed to have, you know, one doctor working all the way through a case because they didn't have people beating down the door. And the other thing was that they kept their overhead low by not having a lot of staff and they didn't bring in the money that other practices brought in. But they also didn't spend the money that other practices brought in and their business turned out to be just fine. Right. And they took care of the techs that they did have and the doctors knew what they were getting into going in. And it was fine. Yeah. No, I I agree 100 percent. It's funny because um <laughs> In, our, in the uncharted community, there has started to be a use of Stephanieisms, and you make fun of me 
on the podcast a lot for asking my my trademark question of well, what does your handbook say? But one of the other ones is my reply, which is it depends. And that the reality is is that yeah. there is a million different ways to practice. And I see it a lot to your point about the different models. I see it a lot in conversation in my managers groups with all different practices, specialty, GP, ER. People ask the same question, which is, what is your doctor to tech ratio? Mm -hmm. Well, everybody can answer that question and you're going to get a whole bunch of different answers, but it's not going to actually tell you anything because knowing what somebody else's doctor to tech ratio is means nothing to you unless you also know what is their workload like? What yes. is their what is their profitability like? What are they doing? Because I could tell you I have a two to one doctor ratio and somebody else could tell you that they have a six to one doctor ratio. And the things that you brought up, Andy, the the caseload, what are their what are mm-hmm. what is their fee structure like? What is their you know, what is their volume like? All of those things matter just as much, if not more, than the actual ratio itself. And so I think you know, I think it's one of those questions that everybody wants to ask because they want to be they want to make sure that they're not doing something wrong, but they're asking the wrong questions to get the right answer. Well, yeah. So so now I promise we're getting into this question in a meaningful way. And people might be like, why are they talking about this? Like, just <laughs> bear with me for one more moment. And we're going to get there. And, and this all makes sense. You know, I was talking, uh, I was talking to uh, my wife recently and we were talking about a f- friends of ours and, and um, the friend was sort of celebra- celebrating this promotion and we kind of found out what this friend was earning or at least had a general ballpark of what her, her income was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And my wife was like, holy crap, can you believe that? <laughs> but what we didn't stop and think about, I know this sounds super petty, but it's true. We totally were like, what did you think of that? Holy crap. Well, she lives in New York City. Right. And we live in Greenville, South Carolina. Right. And so when you go, holy crap, if we made that money... Well, we're not going to make that money. You know why? Because we live in Greenville, South Carolina. Right. And what that money means to her in New York City, where rent is $3,000 for a studio apartment right. per month, <laughs> it, it just it's not the same. Right. But it's easy to go, holy crap, if we had that money. And, and the reason I tell that story is because that is what this question is as well. Right. And so it's so easy if you work in the place, and let's just say that you work in in uh in in I am bonkers' practice where there is not a second shift and there is not a scrub and we do all the things it is really easy to say oh my god if we had a scrub nurse and an anesthesia nurse and someone to come and replace us then our lives would be amazing but what you don't imagine is if you had those things you would also have a caseload that would justify and warrant those things. So your day would be nothing like like the idea that you have the same day you have now plus all this extra help. That's not right. That's not how this works. Right. The truth is you would you would be wildly stressed in different ways mm-hmm. because you would have three times as many cases, which is what you would need to support all the extra bodies and the extra infrastructure. And so now, you know, it's not the vacation that people imagine it being. And that's the grass is greener on the other side. Right. So bringing all of this back. The answer to the first question of, do these places exist? Yes. 
places that have this infrastructure absolutely do exist. And some of them are great places to work. And some of them are horrible meat grinders right. that that burn you out and you don't want to be in. Right. Right. But they do exist. The panacea of you take the workload that you have now and go to a place that has so much more help that it's suddenly easy. I, I don't think that exists because the economics of that don't work. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So the first question for me is, yes, yep. these places exist. The grass may not be as green over there as it looks from the outside. Maybe it is. Maybe you. Maybe the way that you work or your brain works, you may be wildly happy there. I suspect that you'll just be uh, challenged in a different way there. And it's just a different approach to medicine. You might like it more. You might like it less. I don't know. But 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 the answer is, yes, it exists. If you want to go and look at it, just have reasonable expectations and know that it brings its own problems and its own challenges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that I think so many of us look at our jobs in veterinary medicine. We got in this because we love the animals or we love the people or both. And we care about the people that we're working with and we're super passionate about what we're doing. And there is this weird thing that happens in veterinary medicine where people are just like, well, I have this job and I just can't I can't leave it. And the reality is, is that you can and you probably should to be well-rounded, get experience in different facets of, of practice. And this, you know, I am Bogger said, I've worked in multiple different, you know, specialty environments and, and multiple practices and, and they have gotten experience. If you go into it knowing that the grass is not always greener, but you're looking at, at making a specific change, if that change doesn't work out, it's a lot easier to say, I needed to try this because I needed to experience this change or this was at the time was a deal breaker for me and I needed to make the change. I, for, for me on a personal level, it's been easier to say, okay, I, I feel good now about making another change and, and walking away and finding out, maybe even going back and saying, the grass wasn't greener and this is an environment that I'm happier in and this is where I want to stay. But the reality is, is that so many people in veterinary medicine try and make that change happen without changing their environment. Mm -hmm. And so many people are like, I just want my practice to be completely different than it is, but I don't want to leave my practice because I love the people. <laughs> And, and it's really hard for me mm -hmm. when I have those conversations, particularly with friends, because I get it. The struggle is real. When you work with people in a team that you really like, it's hard to walk away from that. But the reality is you can't take a practice that is an orange and turn it into an apple by yourself. Like there has to be a lot of outside factors that go into making that change. And so, you know, if if the idea appeals to I am bonkers or anybody else of trying out a practice where it is radically different from your own environment, you just have to go into it knowing that you're probably not going to be able to do that in your current environment and make those changes in your current environment. You're probably going to have to go somewhere else. But if you go into it with an open mind and feeling like I know that the grass may not be greener, but this is something I have to try for myself. I have found on a personal level that that tends to work out better and I feel better about it either way whether it works out or it doesn't. I had a different conversation with a different mentee this last week and she is applying for a job that she is very excited about and she said to me what advice do you have 
And my number one piece of advice for people who are considering making a change or they're looking at a job offer or not a job offer, a job ad that they are fired up about is do not fall in love with the idea. (laughs) You've heard you've heard me say this many times, haven't you? I'm sure I've said this to you many I'm times. I'm laughing because I recall a very, very specific time in my career in the last 12 months where you and I had this exact same conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did not listen to you. Uh, you should have listened to me. You should have I didn't intend. <laughs> I didn't intentionally not listen to you. Nope. You, but you fell in but love. But I did. I fell in love with the idea, and and it didn't work out. And ultimately, nope. now you know, almost twelve months later, I am very happy that it didn't work out mm-hmm. um, because it, it worked out the way that it was supposed to. But it is it is very good advice. And if Andy gives you that advice, <laughs> you should probably listen. <laughs> Yeah. So so if you were thinking about making a change, a significant change, the best advice I got was from a mentor of mine who would say this to me again and again, because I am an idea guy and I am an excitable guy and I'm a passionate guy and I have a vision for how things can be. And the best piece of advice that I have ever gotten for me is, Andy, don't fall in love with the idea. And the, what, I, what I mean by that is if you're looking at this, do not get emotionally attached to it. Mm-hmm. Go go and look right. and see what it is because the grass may not be greener on the other side. And you might be able to figure that out from a working interview, you know, or a whole lot better for you to figure it out now than charge in there and take three months before you are forced to realize this is not what I thought it was going to be. Right. You know. So anyway, so I just I, I just put that forward again to uh, MI Bonkers is to say, if you think that that sounds like a panacea, it might be. Do not fall in love with the idea that it will be. But you can ask around a bit or you can look. Yeah. You know. But look unemotionally. Too often we get excited about the way we imagine things are going to be. And then we uh, either are a completely devastated when they don't work out, which honestly (laughs) is probably the best thing, you know, in most cases. I cried for a week. (laughs) Yeah. We are completely devastated when they don't happen. Or... We look past red flags that should have told us this has not made. Re, be careful here. Don't. This may not be what you think it is. And we ignore those red flags because we're in love. Mm-hmm. And that, my <laughs> friends, that's a mistake that you don't want to make. It is totally true. It is. It, uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> that is my answer to the second question put first. Do, do places like this exist? Because I think I could get down on that. Yeah. Maybe you could. Maybe you couldn't. But yeah, they're out there. They might not be exactly what you're imagining them to be. Yeah. And then, you know, so I think that brings us to the first set of questions, which is mm-hmm. um, this person has now come in and they're asking mm-hmm. these questions. And so the fact that they're asking them to to me means that there 
is very unrealistic expectations in some way. And so my question mm-hmm. is, what was this person told about the job or the interview process? Like what led them to believe that that was the environment in this practice, right? Because you don't go into a hospital thinking that you have an orange hospital if the picture of it is really an apple. Right. And so when when this new person has started and they're asking these questions of a hospital that clearly does not have the setup that they're used to work working in that makes me ask like what was what was the hiring process like but on on both sides on the interviewee side like what kind of questions did they ask during their interview that they had no idea that this was not the setup in the hospital but also on the hospital side how are they advertising themselves like what is the what does that look like both from actual true job ad perspective but all the way down to the interview and and whoever's doing the interview what are they saying to people are they just selling them Uh, Are they just selling them something to try and hire people because they need more people? And if so, that to me as a team member is a giant red flag, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Alarm bells went off in my head when I read this in a in a big way. Yeah. I just like, oh, no, (laughs) this is bad. And, and, and yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is bad. And it's not bad because this new hire is out of her mind or she's so silly or so ridiculous uh, because what she's asking about totally exists and obviously existed where she was before. It's the alarm bells are going off because how is this person who is now working in your practice? How did she get here mm-hmm. with no concept of how your practice works? You know, like that's massive failure to set expectations, massive failure. Mm -hmm. And where does that fault lie? It lies in both parties. Yeah. Clearly, she did not ask the questions of what will my day be like? When, When do you have a second shift that comes in? Right. How do you guys prep your surgeries? What is your anesthesia monitoring techniques or, or, or protocols? Like, mm-hmm. those were all interview questions that the interviewee should have asked. Yep. Um, unless they were walked through it by the interviewer before they had to ask. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's on the interviewee to not have asked these basic questions of, tell me how you actually do surgery here. At the same time, the interviewee... Uh, this may be their first hiring process or second hiring process. You know what? But the interviewer probably has hired a lot of pe- people and they should have a system down to be like, let me show you what you're getting into, because this if, if this is not what you are planning to get into, I'd rather know it now mm-hmm. before I bring you in and then have to deal with the fallout later on. Absolutely. And so both sides could have helped. I always say the interviewee. And uh, maybe it's because my uh, sort of associate vet bent, like, look out for yourself. Yep. Ask these questions. Figure out what your life is going to be like. Know what you're getting into. But honestly, the, the, the person hiring, they need to make sure that the person who's getting hired knows what they're getting into for your own good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for Am I Bonkers in this position, I would say having a conversation with the new hire, you're trying to find out like what happened, where was the disconnect? So just ask, like, how did your interview go? Tell me about tell me about what they told you during your interview. There's nothing wrong with asking those kind of questions to try and figure out. Ultimately, Am I Bonkers needs to have a conversation with the person who is in control of the ability to change things. And so if it's their hospital manager or if they have a hiring team, they need to figure out who is the best person to 
have a conversation with and say, hey, I would just love to know a little bit more about what the interview process is looking like, because I feel like there's the disconnect between the candidates that are coming in and the new hires, what they expect and what our actual reality is. And I would really love to avoid having people come on board and then finding out that this is not what they thought it was and it, or it's not the right fit for them. Like, how can we fix this to make it better? Mm. Because I feel like that comes at it to the manager or the hiring team, whoever's in charge from a place of assuming good intent, like not, you know, screw you. How could you not have had these conversations? This is all your fault. Mm -hmm. But just, you know, what, what happened? How did this go so sideways? Yeah. And how can I help make it better in the future because you have a am i bonkers has a very vested interest in wanting it to go better in the future unless they plan on leaving now which even if they do th while they're still there they want it to go as smoothly as possible you want people to come in and understand what the job is and be set up for success and so you have a vested interest in wanting the process to improve down the line and so coming at it from that place of just asking questions and assuming good intention on the part of your boss or the manager or whoever is doing the hiring it is a safe bet for getting more information yeah what happened is the question right because i mean here's the thing and it's a little bit of a, of a delicate dance so say that i'm uh in my bonkers and i've got this new person who's come in i don't want to I don't want to tank the new person. You know what I mean? Like, like really, I want to be kind to this new person. I want to set them up for success. And they can absolutely 100% get back on track. This is just yep. this is a basic thing where you might just say, we don't have any of that stuff. And this is what the job mm -hmm. is. And they go, okay. And then they're great. Um, th that can absolutely happen. So I, I don't want to get them off on a bad foot. Um, I also don't want to get... I don't want to be beefing with uh, the practice manager or right. things who's feeling criticized because I'm like... You clearly didn't uh, do a good job <laughs> interviewing this person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I'll tell you guys from experience, I just I just know at this point, I have no idea what happened. Right. Right. I, I think it's 100% conceivable that I might mention to the practice managers like, you know, um, Carol is great. Uh, super positive, super nice, works really hard. You know, one thing I did notice, she did not seem to know coming in how we do surgery. She was asking about a second shift or, you know, having scrub nurses or things like that. And like, that was just the one thing that, that struck me is she didn't seem prepared, I guess, for how we do things here. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I just wanted to bring that up to you is like it, it, her, she seemed to expect something different and she's great. And I'm glad she's here, but that was weird. Yeah. And that way I put it forward. And I, I, I would not be surprised at all if my practice manager puts her hand on her head and goes, I, I spent a day with her <laughs> explaining this, you know, and like it, it may be that Carol completely zoned out and just did not hear these things. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, I could see my manager getting out handouts that said what it's like to work here. And it has the whole like I could see all those things. happen. I have no idea. Right. Um, right. I could I could see the practice manager saying. This is when I had COVID and I was out for two weeks and that's when she interviewed. And so we didn't get to do our standard hiring process with her. And this seems like an obvious hole that normally would never have existed. You know what I mean? Right. And now I have not attacked her or anything like that. There, there may be a total, you know, I have no idea what the answer is, but that's why coming from a soft place and a place of just being like, Hey, this is a thing that I saw. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of mention it to you and 
boom. But but I would not go on the war path to say, you guys are doing a crappy job interviewing. I would not go on the war path against Carol and say, how could you not know these things? I, 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 I just would take it for what it is. But, and that's my headspace, is take it for what it is. This is where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I would like to not have this experience in the future. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I want to write the ship right. now. Right. So let's talk about writing the ship now. Okay. This is, uh, this is fairly easy to write the ship if you just do it. And a lot of people will not do it. And that is the biggest path to failure mm-hmm. is they go, oh, no, we just don't do that here. And they think it's like, well, she'll see what we do, you know, and, and she's here. And so she's going to learn, you know, and, and it'll be a, we just won't say anything. And, you know, she'll she'll come along and blah, blah, blah. The truth is. And I, you guys have heard me say this a million times. People don't get mad about what you give to them. They get mad about the difference between what they got and what they expected to get. Yep. The problem for us is that new hire expected to get scrub nurses and a second shift. And so your hospital might be great, but it is a big difference between your hospital and scrub nurses and a second shift. Mm-hmm. And that is how she's going to judge you. I mean, she's going to be unhappy and she's going to be angry and she may very well feel duped even yeah right and she might not say that and she and she might not even want to feel that way a lot of times people wrestle against their own emotions Mm -hmm. but that is a hundred percent my concern and so the answer to this question is we need to reset the new hires expectations and we need to do it now Mm -hmm. and then she will get what she expects to get Otherwise, it's an ongoing process of her saying, this is not what I signed on for. This is not what I signed for. And so if this is not what she thinks she signed on for, we need to adjust what she thinks she signed on for right now. Yep. And that is not, and I'm being very firm in how I say this because I deeply believe this is what needs to happen is we need to have this conversation. We need to change these uh, expectations. That does not mean it's going to be a harsh conversation Mm -mm. or that I'm going to be like, you need to get on board with what we're doing. I'm not saying that. Not saying that at all. This is going to be a very soft, kind, supportive conversation. But we need to go back and reset and say, hey, let's walk through everything together. And I love that because so, so many times people look at conflict or hard conversations like this and don't have them because they panic and they build it up in their head to be this thing that needs to be hard and mean and I got to pull them into the office and we got to sit down and have a conversation and Mm -hmm. that's not the reality at all and I think that this is a perfect opportunity to just say hey Carol I actually think you're awesome and I think you would be an amazing fit for our team. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that we're also the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. And so let's sit down and talk about kind of what we're doing and how we do it. Because I want to make sure that you have a really clear picture in your head so that you can make the best possible decisions moving forward for whether this is the right environment for you. Yep. Because if it is, we want you here and we want to, you know, we want to teach you and we want to have you be a part of the team. And if it's not, we would rather know that <laughs> and, you know, have everybody just move on before we get too embedded in, in things, you know, mm-hmm. and in the process. And the person, you know, talking to Carol and having that conversation and just having it be kind and kind of blunt, but blunt doesn't have to be mean. Like be, you're, you're being real and you're telling them the truth, mm-hmm. but it, you're not necessarily doing it in a mean way. 
to me is so refreshing yep. and i bet carol would feel immense relief to be like okay let's talk about this yep. because maybe carol likes this hospital maybe carol likes this team maybe there were other things that carol wanted or needed that she wasn't getting in her prior position and that's part of why she took this job it creates an opportunity for you as a team member to talk about those things yep. and to bring and to bring your manager in and loop them into the part of the conversation because you know your point andy was a great one maybe a million different things happened that caused this to not go the way that it could have gone or should have gone. And it gives the whole team, including the manager, the opportunity to be involved and say, let's fix this. Like, let's let's move forward. Yep. And fixing it may look like Carol staying with our practice, but fixing it may also look like having a real conversation and giving Carol an out and moving on before the, the team in the hospital invests a lot of time and energy and money into training her to have her be like, yeah, this is not a fit for me. I'm going to go somewhere, somewhere else, you know, because nothing is more soul crushing than doing all of that training and then having someone be like, yeah, no, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a good fit. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk away now. Yeah. Absolutely. So the way that I do this conversation, uh, and this is this is this is how I do it. I like to take as much responsibility as I can because that gives me power. That gives me control. The more of this that I own, the more it's about her. The less power I have because I can't make other people do anything. Right. I don't care if I'm their boss. I can't. I don't have the power to change how they feel. I don't have the power to change what they say when I'm not around. I don't have that power, and I just own that. And so I like to take responsibility for as much as I can, because that's accountability that I'm taking and that's control that I'm taking. Mm -hmm. And so I just take as much responsibility as I can. And I go to them and I say, Carol, it is my job to make sure that new people coming into our hospital know what their days are going to be like and what they're getting into. And so they feel comfortable when they arrive. And I worry that I did not do a good enough job mm -hmm. at that for you coming in. And I, I want to apologize and say, you know, it like that's that's on me. It's my job to make sure that people know what know what they're walking to and, and they feel comfortable and informed on the first day. And I'm afraid that I dropped the ball mm -hmm. just br bringing you up to speed and having you ready. And, and that's that's on me. Mm -hmm. And I so I start off by apologizing and taking responsibility. Yeah. And then I say, let me I want to walk with you kind of through the day that you can sort of expect and just be clear on expectations so you know what to expect and so you don't feel surprised. And then I'm going to walk through what we do. And it's in that exact in that exact tone. I'm not I'm not mad at her. I'm not mad at me. I'm not, you know, I'm not anything. But it is very matter of fact of this is what we do and this is how we do it. Yeah. And guys, this is when boundary setting happens. Mm -hmm. You know? And she says, but, you know, um, I'm used to leaving right on time. And can I still do that here? And if that's not your culture or how things go, resist the urge to say the thing that the person wants you to say, which a lot of us feel pressure to tell people what they want to hear. Don't. This is where you set boundaries. And you say, you know what? This is how we, we do it here. We stay until the cases are done and we leave as a team. And just know that. And you go, but she doesn't want to hear that. I go, yep. That's why you're going to tell it right. to her now. <laughs> because you can tell it to her now and she can decide to stay on. Right. At which point when she has to stay late with the team to finish up, she has decided. She knew that and she made that call and she came in. What's not fair is to act like this isn't going to happen. And then she gets mad every single time it happens thereafter and she feels duped. That's that's toxic, right? Yep. That's destructive. Yep. And so suck it up 
and have that conversation. And again, we're not being mean. We're not being jerks. We got to be honest. Be honest with her mm-hmm. and say, "This is how this is how we do it. This is the time to set expectations." Now, the other thing to say, and this is the next level, enlightenment level. If you do it right, you can learn from her. If she's coming from another place and they do things differently, there's absolutely a very good chance that you can talk with her uh, about how she's done things in the past and what other hospitals did. Mm -hmm. And you may be able to improve your workflow. You may be able to pick up tips from her. Be wary of giving her the impression that you're going to change what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Like I I want her to, to feel like, hey, we can learn from you. And you have done things differently, and I want to know about those things, and I do want to to hear about them, and we may incorporate some of them. But I do not want to put the idea in her head that we are trying to evolve to be right. like what you had. So if you just hang on, things will be what you came in thinking they were because that's not true and even if you want it to be true it takes a long time we just did an episode that came out that people have been sending me emails about called uh changes slow <laughs> you know and people were like this is great i really needed this um change is slow and so even if you love what she's doing and it's right for your practice still gonna be a long time getting there mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. be open to learning new things don't act like nope this uh, you're in my world now buttercup <laughs> you know like, no it's not that it's not that. yeah and i think the last thing I, that i would say to your point andy about starting with apology is a is a really good one and look if you are if you are am i bonkers and you're not in a position of having interviewed this person or having set any of the expectations, that doesn't mean that you can't still have the same conversation and apologize for the impact because you can say, mm-hmm. this is how we do things. This is, you know, we, we failed. We should have talked to you about this. You're not throwing anybody under the bus. You're not saying, well, our, our practice manager should have told you all of this. You can apologize for the impact using we instead of I and still get the point mm-hmm. across um, she's gonna understand that you're trying to come at it from a from a good perspective and you don't feel like you ha- don't feel like you have to take on the responsibility if it's not yours to take on and yet at the same time you can still apologize for the impact when something has gone sideways for someone because there clearly is an impact because now Carol's here and she's operating under different expectations than you yep and you've got like you said Andy you've you've got to fix this now yep. and you've got to set the clear expectation and either it's going to work for Carol or it's not either way. It's not good or bad. It just is. And you have to do it now or else you'll do it down the road and you'll be more frustrated because you wasted time and energy and effort on everybody's parts. Yeah. If you weren't involved in the, uh, in the hiring process and the interview stuff, there's a way around this too, where you don't, even, you don't even have to apologize. Once you recognize the expectations have not been set for this person, you can jettison all the previous stuff and just say, you know what, let's go ahead. And I want to start on the first day with going through everything, our workflow, how we do everything, how we run our cases, and let's just walk through it. And uh, essentially I'll just kind of fill you on, on the culture here. And what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. And then you can adjust those expectations right here, right now. And and it doesn't have to be a, I feel like we've failed you. It's like, Mm -hmm. nope, this is not how I would have done it (laughs) if I had been involved in your Mm -hmm. interview. But I was not involved in your interview. And so let me go ahead. And it is clear that what we need as part of your onboarding is to go through our processes, how we do things and what you can expect. And so let's do that today. And then just 
do it yeah. and be done. And she might freak out and go, what the, what <laughs> is this? I did not sign up for this. And good, it's better for her to do it now than for you to invest three months training her to have her still go, I don't like it here and I never liked it here and this is not what I thought I was getting and now I'm going to leave. That's all I got. I love it. Hopefully, Am I Bonkers is hearing this and not going, dang. <laughs> I, I feel I like there's... I don't think she did anything No, wrong. and I feel like there's, there's ways out of it either way, but the reality is you got to have a conversation and it doesn't have yep. to be a crazy, you know, pull you into the office and have a closed door meeting kind of conversation, but nope. you have to have a conversation right off the bat. Yep. This definitely falls into that category of less formal, yeah. do it now, yeah. trumps, write a script for yourself, yeah. close the door, sit down and look into each other's eyes. Like, nope, just do it. Just say it. Just be kind. Assume good intent on the new person's part. They, you know what I mean? And just, I want you, I want the best onboarding experience for you possible. I want to get you up to speed. Let's run through how we do our days here and just lay it down so that expectations are clear. And then the ball's back in her court. And if she's like, okay, I'm on board, that's awesome. If she's like, I did not know this was the place I came and I regret being here, you're not going to, you're not going to keep her. Like if that's how she feels, you're not going to keep her. And so just get it over with. Oh man. Well, have a great week, you guys. Yeah. This, this episode will be coming out, I think the first week of 2021. So if you're hearing this. We made it out of 2020. Yeah. (laughs) And we also have our strategic planning workshop coming up right after this episode comes out. You and I are going to talk about setting some expectations and some goals and talking about practice culture and how to kind of lay the foundations and the building blocks for practice to really um, set out a plan for 2021 and how do we change and grow our practices and that is coming up right after this episode comes out so if you're interested you can hop on over to the website at unchartedvet.com and the calendar is there and uh, you can click on the links to see all of the stuff that we have coming up including the strategic planning workshop we've got i'll put links down in the show notes for this uh for these uh for the stuff we have coming guys steph we have a ton of stuff coming we got you and me doing two days of strategic planning which is great we've done it many times together before we We've got good stuff. So we've got that. We've got our practice, our first ever practice manager summit, which is only open to practice managers. And that is in February. We've got Mark Nunez is doing his lean uh, practice principles workshop, which is one of the most discussed workshops inside of Uncharted. People refer to it all the time. Super useful. And we've got Jen Galvin doing a six part inventory class uh, that is meant to be broken up into modules so people can get what they need when they need it. And Uncharted members have access access to uh, all six modules on demand in our school. So all of those things are coming. All of those things are open to the public uh, if you want to do them. And we'll put links to all of them in the show notes. Have a great week, you guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Guys, that's it. That's the episode. That's what I got for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you had a good time. I think it's a lot of fun little pearls in here. I really enjoy talking this through stuff. I always love it when we don't exactly agree on everything. I think that that's really fun. So anyway, I hope you uh, like this. If you do like it, help us out. Share the word about the podcast. Rate, review, uh, subscribe. Do all the things that people ask you to do. But, uh, but you know, let, let your friends know that it is a good episode and they should listen to it. That's the kindest thing. 
Anyway, gang, take care. Be well. Talk to you soon. I just like, what, 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 what?